You're listening to the Sports Therapy Association podcast, putting evidence back into soft tissue therapy. Hey people, how are you doing? Welcome to the Sports Therapy Association podcast. As always, being recorded live on the Sports Therapy Association YouTube channel. And if you do want to come and join us and have the ability to ask questions directly to our guests, then all you need to do is go along to the Sports Therapy Association YouTube channel at eight o'clock on a Tuesday. Simple as that. You don't have to be an STMM to come along. And if you do come along to the live lounge, then you have a chance to mix with fellow soft tissue therapists. Like I say, ask the guests questions directly and every time you do ask a question then I can bring your magnificent photo or logo up onto the screen like I'm doing now with Glenn Murphy who says morning campers um, so it's a great way of networking as well and getting your brand out there Nikki Mansfield has just joined us as well in the live lounge evening groovers hope everybody's week is fab so far as you can see it's a lovely um, kind of uh, vibe going on in our live lounge um, alternatively, if it's better for you, then great. Listen to the podcast, but do please leave us a review, particularly on Apple Podcasts, because um, it just helps the good word of our guest um, get that higher up in the Google in the Google search. Anyway, so it is. I'm just going to have a cough. Sorry. <clears throat> it is the first today. It's the first Tuesday of the month, so we are bringing you our regular series, Ask Tim, recorded as always on the Sports Therapy Association YouTube channel. Tim is none other than Tim Allardyce, best known as founder of Rehab, uh, my patient, um, clinical software, uh, but is also group clinical director and NHS England clinical entrepreneur. So he's the perfect person really uh, to have on the seat to answer your questions on anything to do with the soft tissue therapy industry. If you are listening to this podcast and you do have any questions that you'd like to put to Tim Allardyce, then all you need to do is email me matt at the sta.co.uk or like I say you can come along live on the first Tuesday of any month and then ask Tim yourself face to face as it were. The rest of this month the focus is going to be on lower back pain starting next week March the 14th where my guest will be Owen Lewis um, who many of you will know as part of the Born to Move education providers along with the marvellous James Earls author of Born to Walk so Owen will be opening up uh, the month's focus on lower back pain, uh, providing some of the common misconceptions and causes and rehab of lower back pain, as well as highlighting outdated narratives regarding the core. So it's going to be a great episode. I've always wanted to uh, meet uh, the other half of Born to Move. Uh, so it's going to be a fantastic opportunity to listen and learn from one of the best in the industry. Anyway, tonight, as I say, first of the month, I've got a bunch of questions lined up, which you guys have sent through to me. Uh, we're also going to be joined as well as Tim Allardyce, Allardyce in the studio. We're going to be joined by Dr. Fiona Hicks, who's the host of Women in Sports Therapy podcast, aka WIST, um, and also Gary Benson, founder of the STA. So that is quite enough for me. What I shall do is bring up tonight's guests. You're listening to the Sports Therapy Association podcast evidence back into soft tissue therapy. So we've got Dr. Fiona Higgs. Hi Fiona. Hi there, hi. <laughs> Thanks for joining us. Um, and uh, Gary Benson. Hi everybody. For those listening to the podcast, Gary picked up his hand and waved just in case you're wondering what that gap in sound was. And also man of the hour, Tim Allardyce. Hey guys. Hi, Tim. Hey, you are right? Um, we're especially, especially um, indebted to, to Tim tonight because he has got a bit of a croaker going on in his voice so thank you for that's all good oh, no, it's all good <laughs> um, no I appreciate it and I've given Tim um, obviously permission if, if his throat does start closing up and he can't speak or breathe then he can go and take a five minute break and then come back afterwards so get, a, get a hot lemon or something get a, get a little lemon sip or other well-known brands of, yeah. of cough soothing remedies anyway so here we are March already um how's your, new, how's your new year going everybody Fiona you've been busy haven't you another episode of WIST yeah finally um had a, a very busy winter um and and kind of a, a dry spell for the WIST podcast episodes sort of 
So, so far, we are five minutes <laughs> in and we have a frozen image for Dr. <laughs> Fiona Hicks. Um, we'll come back to that, um, Fiona, if you can hear me, then you've just gone a little bit frozen. You might want to leave and come back. Let's move around clockwise, uh, which will make no sense to anybody if you're listening to the podcast. But Gary, how are you? How's the first three months of 2023? I've been very busy, Matt, actually. Um, sometimes I can't tell why I've been busy, but I know I am busy all of the time. Um, lots of members chats, lots of meetings with stakeholders, lots of colleges interested in, in what we're doing. Um, so yeah, just keeping keeping very busy. Yeah, I know exactly how you feel. You finish your day and think, well, that was crazy. What have I done? No idea at all. And I, I feel your pain. Uh, Fiona's back again. Hey, Dr. Fiona Higgs, how are you? Nice yeah, to see you. Sorry, dropped out for a moment there. Uh, that temperamental router. That's okay. At least we know what to expect. So yeah, um, you were saying new Wist episode out. It's been a while, but I've listened to it. And what a great episode. Are you happy with the product? Yeah, so happy. We had fantastic guests on the first episode of this new series. Um, so if you haven't caught it, you can find it on YouTube and on Spotify, Anchor, Apple Podcasts. Um, we spoke with, well, I spoke with Kerry, Kat and Kaylee, who are all pitch side therapy practitioners and specialists in different areas in their own right. Um, and some really interesting uh, life experiences in their career to date. So careers to date. It's, it's uh, I don't know, I, I don't want to, <clears throat> I'm going to try and say this without sounding sexist or, or mansplaining something, but I don't, I think I'm just over, I'm just, I'm just extremely worried of being cancelled, obviously. Um, <laughs> obviously this is, this podcast is just as popular as, as, as Dave Chappelle and people like that and Chris Rock were on the same kind of length, but <clears throat> I just find something about three women chatting about things like this so easy to listen to. Oh, now, nice. I don't know whether that's bad to say or not but it is it's just you guys maybe it's just you three maybe i can't say it of three women in general but listening to the podcast and previous episodes there's just something just so relaxed and easy and open about it which just makes it lovely listening i'm not just saying that because you know i love you to bits but i don't know whether you're aware of that but it's just so easy to listen to and engage with that's really reassuring because when I'm like, I mean, obviously the internet being a little temperamental at the moment for me, the conversation, I had to splice and dice the the, the audio track quite a bit um, to make good of it. But yeah, like once you get kind of chatting, it, it, it does feel like you're in a little kind of, you know, someone's living room and just catching up, I guess, with podcast episodes. And I think because we're not live you know, we talked when we set the, the WISP podcast up about potentially doing it live, but the beauty of having it recorded, it, as I've found, has actually been that you can kind of just mull things over a little bit and it's sort of, there's no, it's no pace to it particularly. So, um, yeah, but it's good to know. I'm glad. <laughs> oh, no, it is. And credit where credit's due and great on the editing as well, because it doesn't come across as choppy at all. It just comes across as a really nice it. it it's like a real oh. casual conversation, but the content of it and with, with the experience that you and your guests have got working pitch side of stuff is just great information, but put across in a really nice, easy way. So well done. Well done. Thanks. Another great episode. Um, right. We're continuing around the circle and getting to Mr. Tim Allardyce. Hi. How are you doing? Good. You? Well, good. Thank you. <laughs> your voice, mate. Um, yeah, we've got some lovely you. questions lined up for you tonight. The irony is you? You, of your throat closing up. And yet me having yeah. five or six questions directed to you. Um, do you know what? Let's do it. I, I think the more I talk, then it's going to loosen up and it's going to be fine. Fantastic. I've seen that advice before on, yeah, on many a website. If your throat hurts, just keep talking. And go yeah, just keep talking and, and yeah, it'll be all right. Right. I, okay. feel, I really feel fine. It's just, just a bit croaky. I can't wait to listen to this back. So, There's nothing I can, I don't think I've got a croaky voice filter, but we'll, we'll, we'll see what yeah, I can do anyway. Yeah. Right. Okay. So what I'm going to do then, same as last week, people listen to the podcast. And what I do is I will read the question out loud, but also I put on the screen um, the actual whole question that came through. So the whole, all of the context is there. Obviously, how much Tim can say with just the confines of the question and without the rest of the context is tricky. So we're aware of that. But as per the first Tuesday of last month, I'm sure Tim will do a fine job. Um, so I'm going to bring up question number one. Right, let's just put it on the screen. Um, on the screen now, you can see how do we compete with quick fix adverts? Um, I'll read the whole question out. I've got it down here, which as it came in the email. Oh, here we go. So you ready, Tim? 
Yeah. As evidence-informed practitioners, how do we compete with the easy fix claims, easy fix in inverted commas, marketed across social media, but still maintain our ethics? Um, I Look, easy fix, quick fix, crazy claims, social media, uh, um, um, uh, 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 nonsense posts to just generate likes and to generate attention look we all know that the majority of them do not work and you really just need to ignore them do what you do don't focus on them they're they're flash in a pan stuff they're here today gone tomorrow no one really cares a lot of people don't believe it it's not genuine marketing most people don't buy it um so don't even worry about it there you go. Yeah, it's difficult, isn't it? Because I mean, even with my advanced years, there's something about it where you see three thousand, six point three thousand likes, and you think, "Wow, mm-hmm. everybody is going to this course. What chance have I got?" But I mean, as far as I know, those likes are just manufactured and exactly purchased, aren't they? Do you know what? Social media can be really, really fake. And, you know, I think we just know as real people, a lot of this stuff is just nonsense. And a lot of people, they might just like it just because it's, it's an entertainment thing. It's entertainment value. And, you know, there's some influencers who are just entertaining where we might not really follow exactly what they say, but we kind of want to like it a post because it's quite entertaining. Um, it, I think people see through this sort of, sort of these, these, these ridiculous claims and quick fixes. They see through it. You really need to... Um, to, to, to let it go through, 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 through you. Just don't even worry about it. Don't focus on it. Don't change the way you work. Remember to stick on your qualities and principles and your ethics and be your own practitioner. Beautiful. Even the croaky voice, your inspiration, very <laughs> nice. Um, Dr. Fiona Higgs, you, you brush paths with imposter syndrome now and again, I've heard. Um, do you ever see social media and you see these kind of adverts and think, wow, how? Because you've got some amazing courses, one day workshops and longer workshops with Move Well Clinic and Education. Does it bother you sometimes or do you manage just to ignore them? I think I, I would definitely agree with what Tim's saying about not taking on um, a sense of like that you have to compete really with them because, I mean, they are just tending to be trends that come and go but I do think we've got a responsibility to educate the people that we do have access to and contact as well you know like if you've got even just the smallest social media following that's 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 a group of people you can reach and that you can impact and if people are following you they probably do have some trust in what you're saying or have something some need to listen to what you're saying so you know um and, and and like Tim said, stand by your guns. You know, if you believe something and you know it to be valid and, and there's evidence backing it even better. But, you know, sometimes the, even just looking for pe- papers, research papers to support something or debunk it isn't enough. Um, you know, we can't always even rely on that there would be evidence. There are a lot of things that are new and faddish and don't have any research into them either so we kind of just use common sense you know fantastic so far so far a very joined clear message gary you're going to add to that or what do you think i think i'm just going to reinforce that you know I, <sighs> if i see something I, I don't bother myself with it i've got i'd rather spend my time doing positive things than worrying about negative things sometimes if i get a targeted advert from somebody who's local to me and they they might be saying that uh, come in for a, a postural check and a quick fix. I would ask them to show me the evidence or the correlation between posture and pain. Um, but most of the time, I just can't be bothered to deal with them. Um, so I just leave them alone and, and go about doing what I do best. Amazing. You, you three sound so cool and breezy with it. I think it bothers me more. Bothers me more. Depends what mood I'm in. But the healthiest thing to do is just ignore it, isn't it? Okay, I think we'll move I, on from I think that. that. I think that we have got, we are blessed with with plenty of people in our industry who are willing to stand up and challenge them. Um, some do it a lot more um, proficiently than I might. Um, so I just let them get on with it. it. Sometimes it's you know it's the old thing: pull up a tub of popcorn and sit and watch what's happening. 
because the, the, it does actually lead to some some good discussion. Right. Well, we're going to move on from that. It's a great question. Um, as always, unless you tell me in the email that you'd like your name shared, then uh, I'm not going to share it. So I'll reinforce that. I do reply to you as I say, do you want me to share you your um, name? But um, I don't get a reply afterwards. So make sure you do tell me. If you listen to the podcast, you've got a question. If you want your name shared, then let me know um, just in your email. Right. Let's move on to the next question, if that's OK. Um, I should change it here. The short version is, should I let patients share posture photos? This is an interesting one. I'll read out the whole uh, question sent to me. I had a client who wanted me to take pictures before and after to see, inverted commas, postural changes, brackets, rolled slash winged shoulder, close brackets. There was a difference, and I could have easily posted this as a win, but ethics got the better of me. Should I have taken the photo for them? Over to you, Tim. Um, uh, can I pass this to Gary first? Oh, he really is a bit, isn't he? I've never heard him pass. Okay, go on then, Gary. I think if, if, if I was the therapist and I'd been asked by a client to take the photos, I'd have actually questioned what they the perceived worth of those photos were for and what the perceived results would, would show them. Um, I might be more inclined to um, ask them if their, you know, their, their movement had in, increased or their pain had gone down or they, they could carry out some activities for daily living in a better way than, than they had previously. But just to compare two photographs, I think that's one for the, for the personal trainers out there, the before and after, and not for us, for us therapists. Dr. Fiona? Yeah, I think uh, I'm I'm in agreement there with Gary. Um, you know, posture is not something that um, can be really assessed in a photo um, by any means. And even even if there are, you know, actual changes, it doesn't necessarily mean that that's what. I mean, somebody coming in with posture posture issues with posture. Um, if they've got something really that wrong, I think maybe they need to be going to a uh, a kind of more medical kind of um, care centre, you know, like to see somebody who's got a bit more knowledge about the spine if it's really that that troublesome. So maybe sports therapy isn't, I don't know. Yeah, it, 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 there's so much that could be on the rest of their clinical history that, that would influence that. I don't think photos really are inappropriate way of quantifying posture i think it's worth pointing out that for people listening if if you are currently or have just finished like a level three or even a level four and in some places depending where you go to a five six seven eight or nine they may well still be teaching you client comes in painful neck one shoulder's higher do this release thing get the shoulders the same height pain in neck will go um don't worry too much you'll find out probably with cpd after this course that that's not necessarily true um, but don't worry it's still something which needs to be ticked and for you to get your certificate and exam but if you really want to kind of test your instructor or teacher a little bit have everybody in the class just have a look at each other and see their, if they've got one shoulder higher than the other or one leg longer than the other and see if everybody in the class is in pain or point out somebody who maybe has got one shoulder higher but the ache is on the other side or something so just use your class to ask questions do it politely don't mention my name and just see how they explain it you know because unfortunately asymmetry and pain are not very well connected and there's perfectly wonderful amount of people who have got very level shoulders and they've got pain and there's people with one shoulder up one shoulder down and the pain moves around so yeah there we go that's kind of if it is a shock to you about this then then there it is in a nutshell um there you go, Tim. Have I saved you from having to use your voice for this one? Or do you want to add anything? Yeah, no, perfect, <laughs> great. <laughs> and we always used to say this. I must admit, like, like again, this can be a contentious topic, and I'm really one for not scaring people or shouting or standing on a pedestal and saying you're all talking rubbish and laughing or putting emojis because I know definitely ten years ago, I was I was saying the same thing. I was it was a, it was a, it was assess, do your manual therapy technique, reassess ignore the ones which didn't work and just celebrate you know and that's kind of what 
a lot of um, courses are still teaching. But thankfully, we've got people like Gary Benson in the industry who are making an effort to change the syllabi in these courses. Ain't that right, Gary? Yeah, and I think it's important to recognise that, you know, at a level three, um, and we're talking about qualifications of today, a level three, they're simply involved with the application of massage in a pre, post, inter and maintenance scenarios. So in theory, they shouldn't be doing any movement screens. They shouldn't be, have any remedial intent to their treatments. But at level four, and the, and the, the curriculum and the syllabus is still focused on analytical skills and that might be a movement screen it might be a postural assessment it might be a muscle strength test a joint integrity test and they, they are quite important sometimes but most of the time they're not so it's understanding and we had dr chris norris talking about postures important except when it's not we had mike grice talking about anatomic anatomical variances in you know long bone length for example uh, which can detract you from actually what's happening so we have to accept at the moment on the level four that we are doing movement screens we are doing postural assessments but we are describing them with a you know to our clients with a with a better narrative than we used to do fantastic nicely said right moving on to question three that was two very kind of modern well done the people who sent them in it shows that you're on quite a cool page to be asking those questions so let's have a look moving on here we go um Question three, tips on finding sports therapy work abroad. I shall read the whole question emailed in. It says, hey, Tim, it's a lovely way to start your, your questions, people. Look, it takes some, yeah, use that content if you like. Nice, friendly over to Tim. Hey, Tim, do you have any tips on finding ways to use sports therapy abroad? I love experiencing new countries and cultures, but don't know where or how to start looking. Mm. It's one of those beautiful professions actually can take pretty much to any corner of the world and use it whether it's 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 a business or whether it's as a hobby um or whether you're volunteering your care um it's it's an amazing thing you can take um which is your skill it's your hands it's 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 your knowledge um and you can go away and help many people um i i think you know it it's um it really depends on what you want to do of it you could do something like you know you could do something as simple as volunteering for any local sports club and there you know there's local sports clubs are pretty much everywhere in the world and and, and most people have access to sports clubs and um, you could go turn up at one of your sports clubs and start networking and making friends or you could go as far as you know if, if, if you're relocating abroad uh, as a new country you could try to set up a new business abroad um it, that that may depend on whereabouts in the world you are and how successful that will be obviously it'll be tougher in a in a in a, in a less um um economically strong country than the uk um and you might find that that would be a challenge to setting up a business in terms of earning income from it uh but uh, and it may determine local cultures as well because you may struggle against going from somewhere like thailand you might struggle in a in a in a in a country which is very um big on thai massage so you might have to adapt the way you work or 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 be your own person and just try and do something new and um, so i think it's possible to work anywhere uh, try and find the local sports therapy organizations if they are there try and join them and 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 get associated with them to build up your network um find groups locally find communities join them build up your your circle build up your network build up your friendship group um and and then as people get to know who you are and what you do then and, and why you do it then your people will start coming to see you smashing great advice yeah get networking as always talk to people gary yeah i think um if I'm honest, sports therapy doesn't translate very well um, in some certain countries. And I'll just start by saying that if you compare sports therapy to sports rehabilitation and you look at the work, the excellent work that Basrat, Steve Aspinall, Ollie Colburn and the rest of the group are doing in their international recognition program for sports rehabilitation being mapped to athletic trainer. So the uh, Australia, New Zealand, Canada, America type countries um, where sports therapy tends to translate more as a, 
as a massage therapist in certain European countries where you might have a, a be a licensed massage therapist. Um, you might each region in France, for example, each region might have its own set of rules. So it's really important to understand the culture and the rules of where you're going to work in advance of, of just turning up with you with your massage couch. Um, because as I said it doesn't really translate as sports therapy. Um, I agree with Tim that, that there is work everywhere for you. It's just how you position yourself and how you find it. But every every sports team, you know, has a therapist, you know, it might be a physiotherapist, it might be a sports therapist under another guise, it might be an athletic trainer under another guise. You know, but the, the things that our members tend to do are things like ski seasons, you know, winter sports seasons, um, they tend to do sailing seasons, things like that. So they go abroad for a certain amount of time, work within a, um, you know, a space, a, a, you know, a, a certain time. Uh, season uh, and then they'll come back here you know formula one's a, a good example we've got you know a member who works within formula one and they they spend 10 months of the year traveling um as a soft tissue therapist really uh, even though they are graduate sports therapist um they just travel and, and do soft tissue work under the um, supervision of a physiotherapist that's great. And it's true thinking that I can think of quite a few STA members who've got experience working abroad. So once again, you're yeah, having a chat, maybe if you belong to, again, how a professional association should be able to help you and um, email whatever association you belong to. And they should be able to put you in contact with other therapists who might have some um, tricks to or some some kind of quicker ways to getting uh, hold of the right people to speak to and some great advice. It's yeah, worth mentioning sure. as so it's worth mentioning as well that if you if you are an STA member, as an example, and you have the Balance insurance policy, now I'm not regulated to give uh, by the Financial Conduct Authority to give insurance advice or sell insurance, but my understanding is that with the Balance policy, you can work up to 70 days in an unbroken period of time um, on the strength of your Balance policy in this country, the cover would would go into certain European countries. But my best advice to anybody who asked me is speak directly to Balens, give them the scenario you're going to be working in and arrange cover at this end if appropriate, but you may have to do it abroad. Yeah, that's, I, I, I totally ignored that. Yeah, insurance abroad, that might be a whole other kettle of fish. Great point. Fiona, anything to add? Have you got any experience or do you know anybody who's been working abroad? Um, well, I've not myself worked as a, a therapy practitioner abroad but i know that you can if you if you're inclined to be on a boat that uh, often cruise companies do employ massage therapists and exercise practitioners so that may be a route worth exploring like big big companies like P&O and whatnot they tend to have big cruise ships with space for that kind of facility um and in terms of like just having lived abroad reiterating i think what tim said about networking um facebook is really powerful and it is an international you know platform i think utilizing that to get into groups local groups of places where you want to visit is really beneficial and i i certainly found it useful traveling around asia um living in asia you know it really helped me especially getting rid of all of all of the things that I'd accumulated from my apartment when I had to leave very suddenly. But um, aside, aside from that, you know, I got I got a job through, um, you know, some some social media connections. Um, you know, it just it, it, it just, yeah, network online if you can, if you can't be there. Fantastic. And more great advice. This is this is this is some lovely advice coming out here, people. So um, I have got a question which has come in from the live lounge. So um, I'll just bring this on the screen. This should be quite easy to do. There we go. Nikki Mansfield says question for Tim. In this for in this form in January, you said this would not be a year to thrive and that you were planning to survive. Is this still your plan? Because I'm definitely planning to thrive. <laughs> wow, Nikki's yeah. been hitting the sherry early on this evening. Yeah, that's a good question. <laughs> that's so great. You know, I love hearing that, Nikki. I just want to see you do well. I really want to see you do well. And you know what? This is this is a difficult. I think this is a difficult time. I think we're very unsteady in the financial markets. Although um, you know we've got inflation at at eight point eight percent. You know we've got interest rates are going up. We've got 
FTSE 100 is doing very, very well. You know, it's 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 it's, it's um, you know, eight thousand nine hundred almost uh, seven thousand eight hundred uh, nine hundred almost eight thousand. But so it looks it looks like we're in a, in an uncertain period. I mean, the, things are a little bit nervous out there. Um, I, I think as interest rates raise and they are going to keep raising, we heard from the US today that interest rates are going to go up higher than was expected um, by Jerome Powell, um, who is chair of the Fed. Um, what we're going to see is a knock-on effect in the economy, I suspect, and that is that as, as interest rates rise, then everyone has higher mortgage bills and everyone starts to tighten the belt. Um, now, that doesn't mean that it's it's going to be a terrible situation for everybody, and, and it, we may not go into a recession. We may avoid it. We may have a bit of a soft landing, um, but I say prepare for the worst and hope for the best. And if you prepare for the worst and actually you are thriving right now, run with it. Make hay when the sun shines. Do well now. Build up your client list. You know, offer a great service. Get everything set up for now in case we hit a bit of a downturn. Um, and we may not. Who knows? We can't predict the future. Uh, but if you're thriving now, you are doing brilliant. Keep going. Keep thriving. Keep having a brilliant year. And a lot of it is about mindset. You know, how do you want to make this year for you? If you want to make it a great year, make it a great year. Have that vision. See yourself doing great and you will do great. Um, so prepare for the worst. Get everything in place. Make sure you've, you know, from cash flow to to websites to 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 equipment that you might need. Get everything in place. And and And, and if it doesn't happen, fantastic. Great answer. I hope that helps, Nikki. Great question as well. And there's a kind of follow-up question here. I've forgotten who, who Soma Sports Massage Therapy is. Forgive me. I can't put the name. Penny. The, is it Penny? There we go. Um, so Penny from Soma Sports Massage Therapy says, I love this chat, Tim. Which country should we head to? Smiley face. Nikki Mansfield, I agree with you on the thriving instead of just surviving. Fingers crossed. Yeah, like you say, Tim, it's mindset, isn't it? I mean, you know, we prepare, I love it. We prepare for the worst and then um, but yeah, it's good to have that mental attitude and and just yeah believe in yourself. So important. Nice one, people. I think what, what what's happening, Matt? And this is anecdotally, not evidence based. That I'm speaking to members on a on a daily basis, and what I'm hearing is that whilst we are expecting the doom and gloom, um, you know, the financial instability that Tim's just mentioned, we're also experiencing unprecedented need for our services because the nhs is it's working at capacity it's not coping with the backlog a lot of people are taking ownership of their own health now i myself you know went for a private scan because i was fed up with waiting um for, you know because i've been waiting 20 weeks so I, I paid myself and went and a lot of people are doing that and and members are reporting increased you know levels of interest from people who say you know it's just not worth going to the nhs to, to the gp i can't get an appointment it's 26 weeks to to, to to get on see the nhs physio so i'm going to go privately so if we can work on our marketing as tim mentioned we can hone our websites we can make a connection with those clients i think there's genuine optimism um out there in the industry at the moment excellent great way of looking at it yeah tim you on mute I've, I've, uh, That's it. I think there's a huge opportunity as well. And Gary is absolutely right. It's, you know, NHS is really, 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 really stretched. You know, we've got a huge workforce shortage in physiotherapy. Um, you know, we've seen 2,000, we're expecting around 2,000, 2,500 first contact physiotherapists in, has opened up into the UK market, which, which, we found very hard to fill and so it, it, there's definitely a, a knock-on effect which is patients are filtering in to um to to sports therapists um sports rehabilitators etc soft tissue therapists uh, because the, the private physios are pretty busy at the moment as well um and um and the nhs is, is really stretched so it is a good opportunity to to uh, to offer your rehabilitation services to patients that need it and who want to put their hand in their pocket and, you know, and raid the piggy bank, which many people do. Brilliant. And it's probably worth pointing out as well, that this is why it's so important now to 
get onto the same page, which is kind of the evidence informed page. If you want to kind of make the most of these opportunities where there's a lack of physios, then you've got to think past just cupping or just dry needling or just manual therapy. You've got to get past the posture equals pain, asymmetry equals pain thing, because then you'll actually form part of the allied, well, you won't be an allied health professional, but you'll be part of the link of that patient provision. But if you all you've got to offer is manual therapy, you're going to fall short and you're not going to be able to take advantage of this. So I'm not having a go at it. You can include that because if the patients like it, that's part of evidence informed therapy. Give the patient a little bit of what they want is massively important. And um, you can't just stand and say that's useless. Don't do that. So that is one of the pillars of evidence informed therapy. But you need to be on the same page with the other stuff, which is why we exist, which is hopefully what the STA, for example, as association can offer you and help you gently without scaring you into thinking, oh my God, everything I learned is a waste of time, which is not. Let me let me come back on that, Matt, if I may. Mm. And we're going to be discussing this at length tomorrow evening in our members' coffee evening chat. And it's, it comes up regularly. And, I, and I've spoken to a couple of the people who are live with us this evening about it. You know, if we're trying to attract clients, seldom do they book in to see us because we have a list of services what they're looking for is an outcome they've got a problem a goal something they want to achieve and you know we have to in our marketing in our online presence we have to be able to fulfill that gap in their life for you know whether it's regular soft tissue whether it's rehabilitation it, it doesn't really matter but we need to be personal in our online presence we need to have pictures of ourselves you know crossing the finish line of a 10k race so that we appeal to people who've just done a 10k race you know we have to move away from the services and we might have all those services available to us but in the consultation that's when we clinically reason what we're going to do that's when we negotiate and and explain to our client the things that we've got available and, and, and what the likely efficacy of their application is going to do but generally it's about making that connection and those people who i see on facebook who do make a connection and Instagram. I don't do TikTok, Matt. I'm not. I'm not down with the lads. I'm afraid. But um, those people who are making a connection are the ones who are busy. Yeah, great advice. Sorry, I was just saying I wanted to bust out a TikTok routine. I've been working on them, but I didn't. <laughs> um, Penny has come back here. I'm just bringing this up, Penny. Uh, I agree with Gary on this. I have a sudden surge of new clients, which is positive. Still not sure if I want to put my prices up, though, to catch with the expected increase. Feels wrong, which I know, Tim, you're really hot on. I mean, you've given some wonderful advice in the past. Um, if somebody hasn't put their prices up yet, I mean, it depends, mm. doesn't it, on what you're charging and stuff. But what's your advice yeah. for people who are thinking about it? Uh, well, first thing is first, just a penny. You know, if it feels wrong, you you can trust your instincts as well. You know, you've got to. You've, you know, I don't know what your price are. I don't know what your area is. But if it feels wrong, then 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 listen to your gut as well, um, because you know your clientele, you know your demographics um, better. I, I I just think you know if you if you if you're fairly busy and you're doing well, I think it's okay to, to certainly be in line with with market value. Don't don't be too low market value. You know, don't don't go cheap just to try and get busy. Try to maintain market value, um, and and if you've got additional training or additional skill, then don't feel um, ashamed to put your prices slightly above market value. Um, if you if you've got those skills and you've got that that expertise or you've done extra courses, then then put a value on that. Great advice. And again, we've talked about this before. I think sometimes just talking to a mentor. I think some people do feel unnecessarily guilty of charging too much because yeah. empathy is what drives their profession and they want to yeah. be seen as and we're not salespeople yeah. we're yeah. therapists but a little yeah. walk around the block I remember in my early days personal training and and we were told right you're all putting your wages up this is going back probably 15 years or something it was, a, it was going up from like 36 pound an hour to 45 pound an hour or something and at the time that was like astronomic that's more you know it's, it was huge and I was like, no way. And I was kind of, obviously, anyone who knows me, I was kind of quite vocal about it and putting my socialist T-shirt on and going, no, 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 this is not fair on the people. And then I had one walk around with this general manager who was really cool, um, really good mentor. And he just kind of explained it to me calmly and carefully and built up my confidence. And he just said, look, Matt, that's where it is at the moment. That's what people of your skills are charging. You know, you, you're amazing. You've got great skills. And that's what other people in your field are charging. And I came back going, okay, let's do it. And he was right. 
you know but i needed that talk from a business person to um, give me that confidence because i was never gonna have the confidence to do it by myself so don't be afraid to reach out for mentorship you know and again that's what professional associations there for you know that's what it's for and people like tim and fiona and anybody who's got the experience they'll i'm sure they'll gladly have a little chat with you at some point and help tell you what you're worth because it's natural not to worth you know to naturally reach that conclusion by yourself one, one of the things i hear regularly matt from from members is they they tell me that their clients are telling them that they don't charge enough and yet they still won't put the prices up yeah. And I, I do apologise to Penny because I, I had a chat with her a, a week before last, I believe, and, and I recommended that she put her prices up. And, it, and we were talking about value for money and offering a premium service. And the reason that we said that was because it's about expectation to me. If you're providing a premium service and your client is willing to pay that, the expectation is that you're the professional person. They are going to, more likely to you know, to get on board with your exercise prescription, with your advice, etc. Whereas if you're pitching yourself at the lower end of the scale, people are less likely to value your opinion, less likely to invest in you. So that was the conversation that Penny and I had. Um, and, and and I have that conversation with, with, with lots of members. But yeah, and I'm slightly contradictory here because I provide what I believe is a, is the best service from the professional associations and yet we are the cheapest but that's a scale of economy thing to me I'd rather be helping you know a thousand people than 500 people so it's slightly different for me because this is not a business this is a not-for-profit entity and so when I'm giving my advice to people about raising their prices that's from a business point of view not from an association point of view great points Great, thanks for the questions, Penny. I hope that's been useful to, for you. Okay, we're gonna go back to the emails if that's right, that have been sent in. Um, we've got a nice one here for question four for tonight. Just a reminder, if you're listening to the podcast and you wanna come along and join in with these questions and ask up Tim Allardyce directly, and all you gotta do is head along to the Sports Therapy Association YouTube channel on the first Tuesdays every month. Okay, we've done that on purpose. The other months we have experts and we have a focus on a particular thing, but the first Tuesday of every month, as long as he's available, it's a bit like the A-team. As long as we can find him and he's available, then he will be here yeah. Yeah. on the first Tuesday every month, he's told us. Yeah. Um, and often joined by other STA members um, and other educators who work with the STA. So here we go. Question number four for tonight. Dun, dun, dun. Let's bring it up on the screen. Short version. Is shockwave therapy worth the investment? Kind of ties in with you know the year ahead we're looking at and everything. The long version is, I have read that shockwave therapy is very effective in treatment of tendinopathies and that it can also help as treatment for chronic pain. Would you say, Tim, that it's worth the financial investment? Um, well, I can definitely give you some advice on this because I've got experience as a person that uses shockwave therapy and a person that's received shockwave therapy. Um, in 2016 at the, um, the Rio uh, Olympic Games, I on my days off, I'd go hiking and 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 free climbing and, and climb up mountains. And I scaled about five mountains, four and a half. I didn't quite summit one of them just because we ran out of time. But um, but but I climbed about five mountains. And and on one of them, on Sugarloaf Mountain, I got a bit bored and thought I'd run down it um, once I climbed it. Uh, and um, and and I started getting heel pain, um, Achilles pain. Uh, and do you know what? I got back from Rio and I had Achilles pain for about six or seven months. And every morning I'd get up out of bed and hobble down the stairs like I was 90 years old. Um, and it just happened at the time we actually purchased a shockwave machine. And I didn't bother getting treatment for my Achilles because I've just seen so many of them unsuccessfully treated that I just thought I'd just let it heal. I'd just give it time and rest and let it heal. And it just was so slow to get better. Um, I had three sessions of shockwave and I had, could not believe it. It disappeared. The pain completely went and never came back. And I've never had it since. Um, so I, I, I was quite a, quite impressed by that. Um, and, and we actually own four shockwaves, um, four shockwave machines. Um, I think that they, they, they can be very, very good. They're, they're, they're quite popular now. Most Quite a lot of people have got them. Uh, they are expensive. You know, you, you, you can't get a decent one for under probably seven or eight thousand pounds the really the, the really expensive ones go up to twenty thousand so they are a lot of money 
Um, are they good? Yeah, they are good. Um, do people want it? Yes, but you've got to market it. So you've got to let people know that you've got one. You've got to tell your client list that you've got one and you've got to promote it. Uh, and you do have to sell it a little bit as well. Um, is it useful? Yeah, I think it, it, it really can be useful. Um, and, and some patients do very, very well with it. It can be hit and miss as well. Some patients don't respond to it, but some do very, very well with it. So is it worth the investment? Um, a decent machine, a good machine, don't go for the cheap ones. Be careful of going on Alibaba and finding cheap shockwave machines. I've done that and I bought one from Alibaba and it was a complete and utter nightmare. Rubbish machine, wasn't powerful. You need one with a strong bar. So one that goes up to five bar pressure. Um, some, one that's got a proper compression system. So it, it, the, the compression air really delivers a punch. Uh, and um, they can be good. They can be worth investment. Do we get our money back on them? I think we probably do just about. We don't probably don't make an enormous amount out of it. But yeah, we make a bit out of it. Thank you very much. Um... Fantastic. Well, there you go. Personal opinion from you, um, both as a receiver and somebody who's got them in clinics. Fiona, have you ever used or do you have received or given? I'm not I'm not that familiar with shockwave therapy personally, either professionally or from, you know, needing to have a treatment from it. But um, I, I'm aware that the combination of exercise and shockwave therapy is a really important factor in its effectiveness. That's what I've heard. Uh -huh. um but just anecdotally somebody in my family's had shockwave therapy for the same thing for achilles tendinopathy and it's not worked and i think it's because there may be other underlying factors but equally you know i think it may be also that the machine may not have been a high quality machine or of the certain descriptions that tim's given so I think, yeah, there's, it's probably going to be quite an individual sort of thing, but I've heard good things and I've, I've heard anecdotally less great things. So I, yeah, I'm on the fence a bit, I think, but I think, you know, if you've got, if you've got the opportunity to try it and you're looking for a solution, it's probably as credible as anything else out there. I guess it depends. And we, and we had a, um, we've talked about this on the show before. I think it was Mike Grice, wasn't it? It was in and, um, What's his partner in crime? Got a name gone now. Over Ingersoll. That was it. Not Ryan Smith. It was over in Ingersoll. Yes, and uh, and they they actually. I mean, what I love about Mike Rice, obviously, is is they gave the evidence. You know, they didn't just cherry pick. They showed, particularly in the case of Achilles tendinopathies, the the, the studies do kind of favour that. Um, but yeah, they also pointed out it depends on your circumstances. Obviously, are you part of a multidisciplinary clinic? Is there going to be six people using the machine? Is it going to be used while you're not using it? Someone else paying for it? How much money you got? All that sort of thing. How's your marketing? Are people going to know about it? There's so many different factors. Um, whoever sent in this um, email. And again, mentor, mentor. Talk to somebody who knows about it. Give would, Tim an email. I, I was going to say, like, maybe also, you know, maybe you don't get a direct return on investment from usage of the machine. But perhaps if it's really effective, you know, you've got a good one and you use it correctly. It could bring you extra clients, you know, through word of mouth, you know, if you know your stuff. So, yeah, yeah definitely. Gary, you've had some dealings with this. Um, cheaper machines, for example. You like a bargain, don't you? Did you get the same um, one from Alibaba or? Um, well, no, I, you know, anecdotally, you know, I've, I've seen a social media presence, shall we say, where uh, a therapist who who bought a cheap Chinese version um, and it is now indicated for every presentation in the clinic. So there is a danger that we if we've got one, we have to justify its use and its expense. Um, but what I wanted to say about this was it's really important that you speak to your own insurance company. Now, in my dealings with the insurance underwriters, some of the information that I get varies from underwriter to underwriter. But generally, and I'll paraphrase this if I may, generally they prefer lasers, shockwaves, etc. to be administered by a, via allied health professionals. They also want to see a certificate of competency. They don't want to see a certificate of achievement or a certificate of completion for the manufacturer's training. Um, you know, here's the machine, you know, seven grand and here's your two hour training course. 
what they want is a, a, you know some kind of assessment of competency for its use that so one of the insurance underwriters saying they are happy if it's a graduate sports therapist a graduate sports rehabilitator somebody with you know the requisite academic knowledge if you like underpinning the theoretical uh, the, the practical application um and they're, they're also saying things like they want two years clinical experience post-graduation some soft tissue therapists have managed to get insurance but they tend to be the more experienced soft tissue therapists working in the industry for 10-15 years and can demonstrate competency so to me it's all about safety it's all about insurability if you're going to get one do your research but make sure that you've got the okay from your insurance company great advice again Lord. People listen to the podcast, when Gary speaks, you, you see all our heads just, just start nodding, little dogs on the back of a car. It's a great sense. And again, I would have thought about insurance. It's such an important factor, whoever sent in this question. Um, yeah, always check it out. Because this, I think we've talked about this before, there's probably loads of people out there using um, a machine and they don't have the experience and they think they've got insurance, kind of. And they might get away with it for ages, but you don't want to be that person where something does go wrong and you haven't got insurance. It's not pleasant. Um, it won't be nice, then you really will need a reputable professional association to kind of help you. Right, let's bring up the final question for tonight. Where are you? 8.52. This is amazing. It's kind of like clockwork. Let's bring it up. Um, short version. Dun, dun, dun. Oh, actually, I've got two that I could choose from. Let's do this one. We'll save the other one for next week. Okay, so question five for tonight is experience in sport of the clients we are treating. The full version is, as a sports therapist, how important is it to have experience in the sport of the clients you are treating? How can you help and give advice if you don't know the demands of that particular sport? Tim, you've worked with a lot of different athletes of different sports, haven't you? I'm sure you're not, you don't excel in all of them. Oh, yes, nice. I, I mean, yeah, I mean, I, uh, you know, I, I was uh, uh, looking after a bunch of uh, wrestlers at the uh, <laughs> Birmingham Commonwealth Games, and uh, I, I'm fairly, uh, fairly comfortable to say I have zero experience of wrestling, <laughs> and I told them that as well, uh, and uh, but but it didn't seem to to, to too significantly um, affect their their treatment that they received. They seemed pretty happy. Um, I look, I, I asked this question a long time ago to an incredible sports physiotherapist called Lynn Booth who was the uh, lead physio at London 2012 Olympics so Lynn is an amazing lady and I went to shadow her about 15 years ago at the English Golf Union so she used to look after a lot of golfers junior golfers and um, and, and she, I don't think I'm pretty sure she didn't play golf um, and, and I said to her how important is it that you actually good at a sport or played a sport to be involved in it um, and, and i think her view was very much that it it's it's okay it's fine not to not to play the sport but you've got to first of all really understand biomechanics uh, and 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 movement theory and 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 horses and the movement patterns associated with a sport i think there can be an advantage to being in a sport so you do sometimes see uh, so sports people that become physios in that particular sport go back into that sport as a, as a, as a physio or therapist. Um, so my, my feeling is it's not completely necessary to be uh, proficient in a sport to look after a sports person in that sport. You've just got to have a good understanding of how the sport works biomechanically. If I treat uh, weightlifters, uh, you know, for many years I've looked after a number of Britain's top um rank British champions, rank number one in the UK, weightlifters. I don't weightlift, but I can tell you how to do a clean and jerk. I, I, I know what a snatch looks like. I know the biomechanics of it. I know what forces, what what, what it stresses and what, what sort of, what, what muscle groups are working. I think you've got to know the movement. With a, with a golf swing, I, I know how a rotation works. And, uh, you know, with, with a, if you throw a discus or you're looking after discus for a, Go down with them. If you're not sure what the sport is, go down and spend some time watching them. Go and speak to the coach and understand the movement patterns and understand the forces and understand the techniques and start to get an understanding of them so you can, you're in a really good position to treat them. Do you need to be able to throw a discus? I don't think you do. I just think you have to have the knowledge 
around the sport and how the sport biomechanics work. Great answer. I like it. Yeah. Um, as we're close to time, I want to move to you, Dr. Fiona Higgs. What's your any views on this question? Yeah, I think, um, again, in agreement, you know, you don't have to have experience in a sport per se um, to be able to support somebody uh, doing that sport. Um, I think you tend to end up finding yourself having to work, um, you know, to, to, to glean information and, and learn about all of your clients. I mean, just because you're not a mechanic doesn't mean you can't help a mechanic. So, you know, understanding as much about that person as you can is really important and doing the research, like Tim said. Um, and I think that also have some confidence. If you do have some experience in a sport, maybe you played recreationally on a sports team or even just in PE when you're in school, um, that experience, if you're interested in that sport, you know, you can pursue it. You don't have to have played at an elite level. I think a lot of the students that I work with at the university, you know, express kind of like a, a bit of um, kind of indecision about what they want to do when they graduate and, and what kinds of people they want to work with. And there's an underlying interest in maybe a sport they played initially in their earlier years, but they don't feel confident that that could be relayed into their own profession now as sports therapists and graduates. So I think it's, you know, pursue your interests, but also don't be afraid to work somewhere different with different people that have different skill sets and life experiences and actual biomechanical demands, I guess. Great advice. Thanks, Fiona. And Gary, again, you've worked with quite a few different categories of sport, haven't you? Yes, uh, I've coached uh, quite a few different sports as well over the years uh, to varying age groups as well, um, from adolescents through to seniors. Um, but but I think that, you know, as a therapist, what we're trying to do now, we're trying to build a therapeutic alliance with our client. And, and I'm going to use golf because that's my thing. I'm better working with golfers because I speak their language. I understand their mentality. You know, I... I feel their pain in, in certain you know things but when i started working primarily in, in golf rehabilitation the, the golfers became my network because they would say things well my mate dave's got a bad shoulder but he doesn't play golf he's, he's the local mechanic you know and, and, and i used to explain to him well generally what happens underneath the skin is the same whether you've injured yourself playing golf or lifting an engine block so i i would sort of cover it that way and you know i i think it I think you can make a, you know, you can be a better therapist when you fully understand that sport. But as Tim said, you know, we, we, we work with, with all sorts of athletes and as long as we treat them with, you know, with respect and we understand them and we, you know, we get inside their mentality really to understand what, what motivates them in their sport, then I think we can, do, we can still do a good job. Great. Really good answers, people. Thank you so much. Yeah. I love the fact that you've all touched on this, that, even though it's a different sport, it's still a human being behind that sport who are going to share. You've got to still ask the same questions to work out what's making that human being tick. You know, um, So, yeah, as long as you've got a great subjective and you've got good communication skills and active listening um, and you don't jump to any conclusions without asking them first, then, yeah, you can work with anybody. Um, great answers. Very nice. Well, look. It's uh, just turned nine o'clock. Um, so we'll save the other question for. Uh, the first Tuesday of April. God, just wishing our lives away, aren't we? We're doing this once a month. Before we know it, it'll be the first Tuesday of December. But anyway, so um, thank you so much, Tim. Your voice has got better, actually, as you were talking. Yeah, it seems to be slightly looser. Yeah. I can't believe I questioned you. Ridiculous. <laughs> School we are. Um, so thanks again for joining us. And um, Dr. Uh, Fiona sure. Higgs, thank you very much as well for giving us the time to be here. And thank you for a great WIST episode. Mm -hmm. Thanks, Fiona. Um, if yeah, people thanks. want to get into contact, so um, Tim, if people want to follow you at Rehab My Patient, obviously that's there. Yeah, yeah, I, I'm I'm fairly useless on social media, so I, I'm I'm not well followed. Um, I'm not controversial enough, to be honest. Um, and <laughs> but yeah, I, I'm 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 on Twitter at Tamaladice, um, or, or you know, feel free. I mean, do you know what? I, I I'm quite responsive to to emails, so feel feel free to email me. You can get my contact details from Gary or, or from Matt. 
Uh, and if you just want to chat, I'm very happy just to have a, you know, a, a chat with people if, if you just need a bit of support or anything. Um, although Gary has actually even met me offering support. But but honestly, if you did need to just to ask a personal question, then just reach out to Gary or Matt and they'll share my details. Fantastic. I'll make sure that is done. Fantastic. Thank you very much. And um, Fiona, you're UK underscore WIST all over social media that's nice um so people can follow um you there or your personal accounts where are you most active be, i have i have a very inactive uh instagram account fiona underscore higgs one uh okay. also the same on twitter the same handles but um uh, you can find me on on facebook um but equally email wist at the sda.co.uk is probably the a good one to hit up um or fiona at move-well.co.uk fantastic and we'll make sure that all goes into the show notes and gary as always sta members know is gary at the sta.co.uk and i'm matt at the sta.co.uk so um thank you very much people who joined us live thanks for some great questions everyone um and if you listen to podcast then thank you for reaching the end if you did enjoy it and found the content useful, then please, please, please just leave a rating and a review, particularly on Apple Podcasts. It should be very quick if you're on iPhone. You've got an innate nap that, an app there where you just go in and, um, yeah, just leave five stars. Don't think about it too hard. Just put five stars and just put great. That would be wonderful. Um, it's not a money-making thing. It just means that we appear higher in Google results when someone puts in um, something like the word rehab or someone puts in shockwave therapy or sports massage. It just means our episodes are a PI up and the good word of our guests will get out there um, quicker, more efficiently. So we will be back. I say we, I'll be back next week uh, where we start our March focus on uh, the lower back. We're working our way up the body. And like I say, the my guest uh, for the first episode of this month of the lower back will be Owen Lewis. Um, of Born to Move. So if you listen to the podcast and you fancy joining us, just head along to the Sports Therapy Association YouTube channel at eight o'clock next week on March the 14th. So that's about it, I think. Um, thank you, everybody, for joining us once again. If you guys can stick around, just say, check you're okay once we um, sign out. Um, and hopefully I'll catch some of you next week on the Sports Therapy Association podcast. See you later. <music> You're listening to the Sports Therapy Association podcast, putting evidence back into soft tissue therapy.